Folks, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it means it's time for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast, the Chats Edition. Um, if you don't know what Rec, Rec Poker is all about, uh, we are a group of amateur recreational poker players. We like learning together. We like learning from each other's mistakes. We like playing together, um, stealing each other chips, and mostly it's about having fun when you're playing poker. That's what we love most, and it's more fun uh, when you win. So we try and get better at poker while we're playing and having fun. And that's what we do here at Rec Poker. So come and get a free account. All it takes is an email address and a smile. And because it's free, we're a largely volunteer organization. Most of what we do here is uh, with the help of people like the Wrecking Crew members you're going to meet tonight who come and lend their time and expertise to the cause here at Rec Poker. Uh, we got to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino and Mark Prashan over at Website Amp. So like I said at the top, um, welcome to the show. My name's Jim Reed. Uh, I'm Bluff Serini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. Uh, but you can find out all about me and everyone else on the Wrecking Crew by going to rec.poker slash crew, or you can just listen up because you're going to about to meet a few of them right now. Well, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5B5 on Twitter or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game. And I am John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Keith Brandt, and I am Monkey System everywhere. I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 just about everywhere. And the Wrecking Crew is kind of our core team of folks that put in a lot of time and effort uh, week in and week out to produce some of the great content that we have here at Rec Poker. Um, but we also owe a great debt of gratitude to our premium members. Uh, and if, if folks want to take their membership to the next level, after you've got a free account, we do have our premium membership. It's only $15 a month. But if you use the code Rec Poker, you can get your first month for only five bucks. And you can be like people like Jamel Cuevas, who's one of my favorite uh, Rec Poker dudes. We had a fun time up in Montreal. Montreal. He's been traveling all over North America, playing poker and having a great time. Um, he's an active participant in a bunch of our sessions there. So I just want to say thanks, Jamel. Uh, you know, you're a big part of what we're doing here and uh, I appreciate your support. Um, the last thing I want to mention before we get into a great interview uh, with Clayton Fletcher is on Tuesday, August 9th at 730 Eastern, uh, Kim Kilroy is going to be doing her, uh, female, her, her uh, poker empowerment group, which is largely aimed at uh, women players. Uh, we're going to be announcing some pretty exciting changes and some pretty cool upgrades and some fun features to her monthly empowerment group. And so it's free for everyone to join. You don't have to be a premium member. Uh, just go to rec.poker and uh, check that out. It's um, rec.poker slash pet vet is Kim's way to get in touch. And you can come join us on Tuesday, August 9th at 730 Eastern. All right. But that's in the future. Uh, we are here to talk about the poker present, a little bit into the poker past. We're doing it with a longtime friend of the show. I want to welcome back on the program, Clayton Fletcher. Clayton, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Yeah, hey guys, thanks for having me back. I'm a big fan of you guys. I love what you do. Oh, that is so sweet. I believe him too. He's a straight shooter. Um, if you don't know Clayton, you're, you're doing something wrong. You got to be listening to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. He has a great time there, uh, occasionally with guests, often going through hands from his own amazing poker experiences in the world. And um, Clayton, I'll ask you the same question I ask all our guests when we get started here. You're a player, you're a podcaster, you're a content creator. Um, you're a you're a very successful stand-up comedian as well. Um, when people ask you, like, what's your role in the poker world? What's your answer? What kind of box do you put yourself in when it comes to poker? 
Yeah, I mean, I really felt it a lot this summer at the World Series of Poker. I was, uh, you know, I was honestly overwhelmed, just really humbled by the sheer number of people that told me they listen to the podcast and they enjoy, you know, my content on Tournament Poker Edge. And, uh, you know, if anything, I guess that's that's been my biggest contribution in the last few years. Um I work for Poker Go as well. I do commentary mostly for uh, PLO events for them. But, uh, you know, it, most people in the poker world that know my name, it seems to always come back to the the TPE podcast. And just, you know, I feel like the, uh, the community, if you will, TPE Nation, as my boss, Derek Tenbush, likes to call it. <laughs> uh, TPE Nation is a very positive group. And uh, it was really nice to just you know, shake hands with a bunch of guys that, that have been hearing me, but maybe never saw me before. And so, yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of my, my little niche that I've carved out for myself. I love it. It's so true. We, we had a, a couple of rec poker meetups over the last month and, or a couple of months leading up to the series. And it's truly amazing uh, having a good community, having people who, you know, you can connect, really connect over the airwaves. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that's that's a, a real side benefit to giving yourself to the poker world the way that you have, man. So my, my hat's off to you there. Um, when we had you on the show last time, you talked about motivation for playing and the the root of the word amateur is, uh, the, you know, the, the Latin word for love and the love of the game. That really resonated with us. And we use the word amateur a lot around here because it is for the love of the game. Um, you've been in the game for a long time, in it as a professional, you know, as a commentator. Uh, what are the parts of poker that you love uh, these days? Yeah, to me, it's it's never really changed. It's uh, I love the perfect balance between luck and skill. I love the... Uh, the balance between love and hate. You know? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I love and hate the game at the same time. I also love and hate my opponents at the same time. You know, they were, yeah, I played so much poker in the last couple of months, guys. I mean, really, uh, this podcast is the first time I've thought about uh, poker at all since uh, that. You know, I mean, it, was, it was a grind. You know, I played like 32 tournaments in June and July. So, uh, you know, just kind of getting back into like giving my mind a break after, you know, that long grind and everything. But yeah, I mean, it's just uh, some tables I sat at and the, we all had a great time and, you know, we played our hearts out, but we also enjoyed getting to know each other and joking around. And, and you know, to me, that's a huge part of the game. And then other tables I was at were just you know, very kind of bellicose and just everybody you know, wanting to literally kill each other. And it's like, yeah, to me, that's no fun. You know, I don't enjoy that vibe at all. So it's a bit of a love hate, uh, you know, in many different ways with the game. Yeah. Well, you were great about uh, sharing your journey week by week on your show with everybody. I know you went through uh, quite a, quite a bricky swing there in June. Um, I know. And I know I should just say, if you're listening in on YouTube, which I encourage all our podcast uh, listeners to do, feel free to type any questions in the chat there for Clayton. I know Paul and Ben and Martha are here and they're big uh, TPE fans. So I'm sure we'll get some uh, some fun feedback from them. Um, But John John Somsky, you listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, Do you have anything for Clayton here? Yeah, I was was just going to say I do listen to a lot of podcasts and it's really hard to make a solo podcast, which most of the ones that you do are interesting. 
but mm. somehow you still manage to pull it off. It's one of the um, of all of the podcasts that are mainly solo. Yours is probably my favorite. Now, of course, I love it when you have your guests on too. That those are probably my favorite of yours as well. But what uh, what is it? Why do you think it is that you're able to pull that off when a lot of people that I've listened to have not been able to? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. First of all, thank you for the for the compliment. Um, my preference would be to always have a guest. Uh, but what typically happens is my schedule gets so full <laughs> that that podcast ends up happening whenever I can make it happen. Um, I used to joke a lot on the podcast about, um, you know, how unreliable poker players are. <laughs> You know, when my schedule could be clean enough that I could say, all right, we're going to do this Tuesday night, 730 Eastern. Let's make it happen, whatever. Uh, Then the other person would nine times out of 10 cancel or want to do it a different time or whatever. Because, you know, one of the most appealing things about being a poker player is that you actually don't have to follow a schedule. So this business tends to attract people that you can't exactly count on. (laughs) So I end up just... uh, you know, end up out of necessity doing, um, you know, I started hosting a podcast, I guess it was uh, at the end of nine, uh, 2018, I guess. And so uh, the first few episodes, we did have like a crew, like you guys have your crew, all you guys can manage to get together and meet at this time. I'm really jealous of that because my would-be crew, you know, Derek, Casey, Mark, like all the TPE guys that, that anyone that's ever listened to old school TP podcast, you know, those names, well, those guys are no longer available with any more regularity than I am. So it just became out of necessity that I would do a lot of solo episodes. And at first I was extremely uncomfortable with it. Um, I had never done any type of solo anything before, even with stand up. I consider it a dialogue, you know, because mm-hmm. I have the audience there to tell me that's funny. That's not funny. I don't understand it. You know, there's immediate feedback, even though they're part of the conversation is just supposed to be ha, right? <laughs> it's still, it means something, right? So sitting there talking to myself on my computer, I think if I have gotten better at it, it's because I picture one person, a friend of mine who loves, I mean, loves poker and is dying to hear about what happened at Paris last weekend. And uh, I can picture him trying to follow the story. And one of the main things that I try to do is realize that the listener doesn't have the hand in front of him. So I repeat, just in Mm -hmm. case you forgot, we have ace queen, you know, because so many times I've listened to other poker podcasts and they get so in depth about the analysis and the GTO and the percentages and the distribution and all this stuff that at some point I, I forget what actual hand we have because I'm thinking about my range. You think about your range so much, you forget about what your two cards are. (laughs) So so I'm aware of that. And it's also easy to forget what the flop exactly was and all that stuff. So as I go through the hands, I really try to make sure that I, I, you know, give you a, a, as though you're, you know, leading the blind through the woods. You know, this is what happened. Okay. <laughs> Don't well, trip over any twigs. Yeah. It's a real skill, honestly, like uh, doing it without someone else there or without an audience there. Like that's definitely uh, not as easy as you make it seem. So kudos to you there. And you listen, man. Yeah. I think you're right about those reminders too. Like um, 
that's something the thinking poker podcast guys used to talk about all the time, right? It was like being <laughs> serving their audience better by just like throwing that reminder out there from time to time. Cause it's easy to just get sucked into it. Um, so kudos to you for that. Thanks. Uh, yeah. And if you're following along and you already know what the hand is and you're annoyed by the fact that I reminded you, you have ace queen with the ace <laughs> of hearts. You know, I mean, I, I think that you can kind of suck it up a little bit because it's there's so many people that are maybe multitasking while they listen right or you know they're driving like wait did i miss my turn you know there are things that can distract us when we're listening you know and in stand-up i can see on the audience's faces if they're not following my story or not when i'm doing the podcast i get no reaction at all but what kind of brought it to life for me was really this summer shaking hands with so many of of my podcast listeners and having them, you know, share their thoughts about the podcast. And a lot of people just said, thank you for the podcast, which honestly, that is that feels so good because, you know, I feel like I want to thank God for the podcast. <laughs> me, it's really one of the best things that happened to me in my whole yeah. life. I love yep. doing it. So, yeah, you guys don't have to thank me for doing it. But, you know, kind of putting, you know, actually shaking hands with a few listeners made me realize like when I'm sitting there talking to myself, I'm really not talking to myself. I think about those guys, the ones that I met who thanked me for it. I'm like that. Okay. That's who we do it for. Yeah. yeah there's, there's no substitute for every once in a while. You get like a nice email from someone or a DM on Twitter or someone just saying like, Hey, I really thought you made a great point on the podcast to help me become a better poker player. And like, Oh, oh man, it just doesn't get any better than that. Right. Absolutely. That's it right oh, there. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Chris Jones, you're the uh, producing co-host of the show here. Well, what have you got to bring to the table, my friend? Well, Clayton, I have a, a question of my own, and then I've got an audience question too. But a uh, question I have for you is kind of something you mentioned a little way back when you mentioned, you know, playing 32 tournaments over the summer, you get to some tables. Some of them are, are really, you know, it's nice. You have some conversations. Some of them are just like kind of like death marches and people staring at you. And and I'm just curious with your experience and, you know, like, and you seem like you're always a very affable person at the table. So if you're experiencing that as well as the rest of us are, what do you think sets the tone for a good table or like how is there, is there, or is there not a way that we can, you know, is, is there just, there are some tables that are just going to be death and that's just, <laughs> that's just the, the luck of the draw kind of like the rest of some of the other parts of poker. Yeah. I think that's a great question. I mean, certainly there are some tables that no matter what, I mean, you know, uh, Chris Rock could sit down at the table and some people wouldn't talk to him. You know, it really doesn't matter. In some cases, there is literally nothing you can do. That's just the vibe those players want. And you know what? Honestly, I respect it. You know, I never try to force anything. Like one thing I do, I think the magic word in life is hello. So when I first arrive at the table, whether I get there early and the tournament hasn't started yet, or a bunch of players have been there for a while and now I'm just taking my seat at that table that's already been sort of an existing, you know, uh, organism or whatever before I even got there. Uh, I always say hi. I sit down and put down my chips. Hey, hey guys, how's it going? You know, I say hello. And I find that so many people don't even do that. But just, you know, hello. And right when you get there, don't try to strike up a conversation. You've been quiet for two hours. <laughs> and all of a sudden you try to start talking. That's like, well, what's going on here? Like, you know, what's this guy? What's his angle? You know, what's he trying to sell me? But if you show up and your first impression that you give to people is uh, I'm someone that 
isn't going to wear headphones the whole time. I, I'm someone that, that can actually have a, a conversation with you. Those who might be interested in that side of the game, the social aspect, if you will, uh, will see me as someone that would be willing to participate in that with them. And sometimes I regret that very quickly <laughs> when they start sharing their political views or what have you. But uh, all in all, I, I, I enjoy the game a lot more when we're when we're talking. So yeah. That, yeah. that's just me. Yeah. I love that quote. Sometimes I regret that. Yeah, there are there are. The, I like a social table too, but there are those moments where I was like, I wish this table was a little less social. Yeah, yeah, big mistake. Yeah, shouldn't talk to that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I have a question here from uh, Ben Ben Enslow, um, and he's wondering about uh, PLO. And first of all, kind of what what drew you to the game PLO? What kind of excites you about PLO? And also, what was it like doing commentary this summer in the booth? Okay, yeah. Thanks for your question, Ben. Um, you know, I like PLO because, to be honest, I like to gamble. Um, I think that one thing that you lose sometimes, especially in No Limit Hold'em cash games, is that nobody wants to gamble. They all realize that the blinds are so small compared to the amount of money they can lose that in many, many cash games I've been in, particularly in Las Vegas, nobody wants to give any action without the nuts. Uh, in PLO, you just you can't play that way. Nobody in PLO uh, has any success playing just waiting for the nuts it's really hard to to make the nuts in plo and it's hard to have the nuts even hold up in plo so i'm more attracted to that game because i enjoy the the fact that my good hands don't hold up as often as they do in hold them so it, it requires more gambling and i actually i may be a rare breed but i actually enjoy the swings you know i don't play above my head so I'm not buying into the 50K high roller PLO tournament. I gladly did commentary for it, but I did not enter that event. You know, that's out of my price range. And then I wouldn't enjoy the swings. So I think that because I practice good bankroll management, the, you know, I can enjoy the the ride, if you will. I mean, I've had PLO sessions where my stack was, you know, crazier than a Bitcoin chart at this point. It's just up and down and up and down. And I kind of enjoy um, you know, the wild swings of the game. Um, as for doing commentary this summer, I had a great time. I got to do two different PLO events, uh, one with my old friend, David Tuckman, who, uh, you know, he and I go way back. And, uh, you know, I think that he and I have a great rapport, but it was also fun this summer to do commentary for the first time ever with Ali Najad, who is, uh, you know, such a pro and someone whose career I've been following for about 20 years. So, uh, he's kind of a legend in the game, and it was uh, a great pleasure to work with him as well. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, just watching these, you know, top, I mean, top PLO players and just hearing the way they talked after some of the hands was eye-opening for me. And it was kind of fun to just learn more about doing commentary on a big stage like that. Um, they have some excellent, excellent producers at Poker Go, and they actually taught me a thing or two about doing commentary for bracelet events i'll share one of the tips that a producer named zach I'm, I'm sorry i don't know zach's last name but he was wonderful and he said to me um because i have a habit of saying what i think the player's about to do like i think he's going to fold here I, I think he's likely to raise here and zach pointed out you know it doesn't really add that much to the audience experience hearing you say he's going to fold and then 10 seconds later he folds it's more valuable to say as a player, what might he be considering 
in making his decision. And so it kind of changed the way I did color commentary. I mean, I'm always going to do my silly jokes, right? I'm a comic. I'm going to do dumb jokes about the players and stuff. But as far as like really <laughs> analyzing the poker, uh, that helped me a lot. And and little nuggets and tidbits like that that I got, you know, I feel like I took another step in my development development as a commentator as well. Yeah, I love I love that actually because it really is about it's about the mindset, not the prediction, and that really helps everyone kind of get on board with you. Yeah, like last- I, don't, I don't get yeah. extra points if I'm right. You know? Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> right. So who cares? You know? Right, right. One last little question. I've, I've, um, I've heard that the Poker Go studio is uh, a, a pretty tight confines, like kind of like closed off in some corner. Can you describe what it's like kind of going into that booth and, and sort of, sort of submerging yourself in that world for, for a little while? Yeah, I mean, for hours at a time, really. Yeah. Um, I, in the uh, in the former home, the Rio, the uh, booth was was tiny and often very warm, like you're just sweating in there. Uh, the new space was actually a little bit more, you know, more more giving. I mean, I wouldn't want to have all five or six of us in there; and that would be too crowded. <laughs> but yeah, like it wasn't so it wasn't so you know elbow to elbow like it was uh, back at the other venue. But yeah, I mean, I love I love Poker Go. I love Maury. I love all of those guys and what they're doing. Um, really trying to bring like the highest quality cameras, the best microphones. Like they really don't spare any expense on making this uh, production as professional as humanly possible. You know, even if they lose money on some of them, they just care so much about the quality. And honestly, uh, you know, you can't say that about too many um, production facilities that I am aware of. You know, mostly <laughs> it's about the bottom line. And this one is about, let's just make it look and feel as good as we possibly can. Yeah, that's awesome. And you can tell that they put a lot into it. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to expect a lot uh, when you're when you're putting that when that's your mandate. And, you know, we're, this is the rec poker podcast. We uh, we have kind of actually I got to tell you, since Chris Jones has gotten a lot more involved in the production side of things, this is looking a little slicker and more put together than it used to. Um, but uh, I really do appreciate that uh, that professional attitude that some of those real companies out there get to take. <laughs> yeah, real companies <laughs> for the win. Um, so you talked a little bit before now, just about, um, playing at a level that you were comfortable with. Uh, we talk about bankroll versus budget a lot here because a lot of recreational players, you know, even if they're winning players, they're not really, the bankroll doesn't have the same kind of meaning for them as it does for a professional who that's, that's what they need to, to apply their trade. Um, you're kind of in this middle ground. You're obviously a winning player. You expect to win and profit over the time of your playing, but you don't have the same like professional bankroll in the way that other other professional players do so what is it someone like yourself how do you decide what is a comfortable bankroll for you or what is a comfortable buy-in for you and how does it relate to what you've got behind like how, how can other players kind of factor that in yeah that's a good question i mean as far as being a winning player not this summer. I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't win a single. I didn't cash in a single tournament throughout the month of June. And I arrived right. in Vegas on the 4th of June and played almost every day. It was just yeah. really rough. Yeah. I had a little comeback at the end, but not enough to uh, make up for the first month. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I think if you are, if you are not counting on your poker bankroll 
to support your livelihood. In other words, you have another job or like me, you have a whole other career in comedy or whatever else. Um, then I think that the, the question becomes how hard would it be for me to replenish mm -hmm. this bankroll? You know, now for some players, if they ever lost $500, they would say, how am I ever going to get that $500 back? You know, I have bills to pay. I have two ex-wives. I have a mortgage, whatever people have to pay for. They, they, they're, they're, you know, kind of, they're cut that thin. So if your number is $500, if you ever lost $500, you might never figure out a way to get that $500 back. Then, you know, you should be playing like $1, $2, online tournaments that should be your bread and butter even if you have a job so it just it's a matter of really looking at your budget and saying how much have i won how comfortable would i be losing a percentage of what i have won right i mean to me my bankroll started with very little just a couple hundred you know 20 25 years ago or something and you know now it's built up to what it is um there was a time when i would take a lot of risks like sometimes putting my entire bankroll on the table because number one, uh, it wouldn't be that hard for me to recoup it. And number two, it wasn't that much money to begin with. And I could afford to take those risks because I didn't have any other responsibilities or expenses, right? So it's a very complicated formula that every individual has to come up with. But the main question I ask myself is, uh, how hard would this be for me to get back if I lost it? Right. So if my total bankroll, I'm not going to use my real number, but let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars and there's a hundred thousand dollar high roller and somebody's <laughs> saying, Hey, you should play Clayton. It's a bounty, you know, uh, cause they did one of those this year. And I was like, man, I wish I could play in that. Every bounty was 25,000. Oh man. It's so much fun for a bounty junkie like me. That's my favorite format. I like bounty. Yeah, me games. too. Yeah. So, uh, if I spent my, if, my theoretical bankroll is a hundred thousand. I spent all of it on one tournament. Then that's crazy, but not if I can go to work tomorrow and make a hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? It, it really depends on you and what you're doing and what you can do and what you can't do. So, yeah, I mean, you never want to, like, to me, a good rule of thumb is I would never risk an amount of money that if I lost it, I can't go right to sleep that night. You know, it's a great if rule. If you're up late at night, how am I going to get that money back? Or why did I spend so much money on poker? Why did I risk so much of my money? Then you you played too high that day, and you should have quit or played a, a, a smaller game. You know, there's no prize for uh, playing over your head. You know, you might get lucky and now suddenly have a huge bankroll, but you know it's just a bad habit. And if you you know, if playing over your head means buying in for 1K and you do it and you win 10K at some point because you learned the wrong lesson the first time, mm. you're likely to buy in for 10K one day. You know, when does it end? Eventually, you're going to end up broke. You just have to be disciplined about it. Now, when you're playing for a living, you have to be even more disciplined because that's your livelihood. You're going to be out of action. You know, literally, I could have lost my whole bankroll this summer. Thankfully, I didn't. I did not even come close. But if I had, I could make it back and be back in action in a couple of months of just doing more work in my other career. Right. But if you don't have another career, then you really need to protect your poker, poker bankroll with your life. And can you just talk a little bit about if, if people are playing 
kind of out of their depth. They're going to be hesitant to pull the trigger in some spots. They're going to be kind of like playing like scared money. Can you just talk a little bit about why that can be detrimental to your own game and to your own results? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Obviously, if you are uh, playing with what we call scared money, right? You're like, you're worried about losing the money instead of thinking about, well, what is my range? What is my opponent's range? What do I think that the best play is? Whenever I'm thinking about money instead of strategy at the table, I know that I'm in a bad situation. I need to get up and go home. You should never be thinking about money while you're playing poker. It's funny because that's how we keep score, but that's not what you should be thinking about while you're playing. You should be thinking about the decision tree or whatever your process is for deciding the correct strategy versus a particular opponent in a particular situation. It should not involve, but if I lose this pot, how can I pay my kids tuition? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then you're over your head and you're playing, you're doing it wrong and it's never worth it to be in that situation. It may even work out for you, but it's also going to have a long-term effect of making you forget the value of a dollar and then eventually that's going to come back and, and bite you tenfold. So, yeah, I mean, your, your bankroll management is essential. Oh, I really like the way you talked about that and um, the sort of like the supply side of how quickly can you turn it around? Because I've always thought of like of big purchases in my own life. I've thought, OK, how many hours of my work am I going to need to do? in order to pay for this? Or, you know, how many days am I going to have to work that I could otherwise just take off and play poker or do something fun? And it's like, do I really want this thing enough to work three days for it? And right. if not, then, you know, maybe I maybe that's not something I really need in my life. Yeah, you have to kind of think about the worst case scenario, right? I mean, I could lose this buy-in. And if I do, then what? You, you we, we all want to be optimistic. But honestly, every time you sit down to play a tournament, you know, you're probably, on average about an 85 to 90% chance you're going to lose. Yep. Right. That's just the nature of tournament poker. Most players lose every single time, you know, every once in a while you have a win, right? That's just, I mean, this, a tournament chart goes down, 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 up, down, 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 down. You got to be able to sustain that down. And that means you've got to play within your means. Now I'm not talking about taking shots, right? Like for a lot of people, they don't really have $10,000 to play with every single day but they do play the main event. And that's one thing that makes the main event special Mm. for many poker players. They're extremely disciplined all year, but they take a shot at the main event every year because that's their, that's their one. If you have one or two throughout the year where you do play a little over your head just to feel what it's like, or, but there again, because it's a shot, you prep for it. You know that you're taking a shot. If this doesn't become your norm, right? So there's a difference between playing outside your bankroll and occasionally taking a shot outside your bankroll, which I actually advocate for a variety of reasons. Yeah, me too. And when I'm working with uh, coaching clients and we're trying to put a schedule together, there's always a range of buy-ins and there's like a little shot taking and then just a lot of discipline play. um, And that's how, that's how you keep it going. That's how Keith monkey system Brandt, Welcome to the conversation. What do you have uh, for our man Clayton here? Yeah, Clayton, uh, I love your podcast. I've been listening to it since uh, pretty much since you first started it. And uh, I've just been wondering, and also for the audience listening on YouTube, um, how has your own approach to the game and your approach to preparing to play evolved since you started the podcast? Yeah, well, first off, I mean, of course, thank you uh, for listening. I mean, we can't do it without the listeners, so I appreciate that, first off. Um, It has changed my 
approach the game quite a bit, especially interviewing uh, incredible poker minds like Andrew Brokus and Alex Fitzgerald and Jen Shahadi and on and on Jonathan Little, like so many incredible poker players and poker thinkers have joined me on the podcast. And when trying to think of what my listeners would want me to ask them, uh, it kind of opens my mind to other ways of thinking about the game, you know, especially I got to say most of all Alex Fitzgerald, because his entire mindset about the game is dramatically different from most players nowadays. He starts off by saying most players lose. And if you do what everybody's doing, you're going to lose. (laughs) Right. So that's, 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 it kind of makes sense when you put it to me that way. And I was like, Oh, so really it's about trying to find the thing that nine out of 10 players wouldn't do, but that they should. And so that's really one of the kind of key differences between my approach to the game now. And before I started hosting the podcast, because I didn't have access to one-on-one conversations, of course, it's not really one-on-one with an audience of thousands, but it feels like I'm just talking to one of these players and getting inside his or her mind in a way that really helps me change my approach to the game as well. Well, um, bankroll management is one of those unsexy secrets to winning poker and um, game selection is another one that I think is just underappreciated by recreational players. Um, you've mentioned already you enjoy playing knockouts. That kind of suits your own personal style. And I think also just knowing when you've got an edge on the field and um, just what you said there about not doing what everyone else is doing, that really, the table you're playing at, that really matters because what everyone's doing at this table isn't going to be the same thing that everyone's doing at this table over here. Um, If, if you're, you know, a lot of our listeners, like I say, they're less experienced recreational players. If, if they show up at a table and they don't really know what, what's going on, like, like who, what level everyone's at there, what do you look for uh, in the first few orbits to kind of help you get a sense of, what level are these players playing on? What's the, what's the thing that everyone's doing here that I'm going to try and do differently than they are? Yeah. I mean, it's not really one thing. I wish I could just give like one straight answer, but I can just think from my memory bank from this summer, I could try to identify like who might be less of a shark than someone else. I mean, nowadays, even the average player is, you know, pretty good. Right. So it's not like when we first started and there was right. just you know, shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, even, uh, you know, as you guys are rec poker, but every week you're studying really hard. You know what I mean? It's not like the old days recreational meant some guy that comes in straight from the craps table and is just ready to throw some money away. The, those days are pretty much over at the stake that I'm playing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you could find certain mistakes that people make uh, sizing where uh, sometimes sizing can be a, a clear mistake, right? Uh, not value betting. You know, if I mm. see a guy check it back on the end with the third nuts in a spot where his opponent could have so many worse hands than that, and he doesn't go for thin value there, you know, not only do I realize that he's not up to par with you know the great players of today, but I also have a very clear idea of how to exploit the mistake that he is most likely to make. Right. Mm. So, I mean, that's what I'm always looking to do. I mean, I study GTO just as much as anybody else, but 
I do so with the idea of knowing when I deviate, what I'm going to deviate from, not with the intention of never deviating. If I see that someone's exploitable, I am going out of my way to exploit him or her every time. I love that. Uh, Rob? I just had another question um, on your podcast. You do a really excellent job of breaking down the hands that you play in and all of the nuances that go into that uh, hand that you played and you're breaking it down. And my question is, how do you um, note take? How do you, what do you do to keep notes on the hands that you play that you can bring them back to life in the podcast? Yeah. Um, so what I'll do is at the table, if I don't play the very next hand, sometimes I'll just take my cell phone out and write myself a note with as much detail as possible. Um, what my stack was, what his stack was, what the blinds were, what he was wearing, because I know that I might not end up recording the podcast about that hand for another two or three days. So I want to make sure I can remember all that stuff. Um, if the hand happens really close to a, a scheduled break in the tournament, I will actually make a voice recording, almost like a little mini podcast just for Clayton that I record on my phone uh, so that I can really describe the situation better, better than I can do it over text. Right. Um, and the, the third way I'll do it is just kind of the same thing. But if it's, if it's something I feel like I need to say into a microphone rather than trying to type with my thumbs, I'll just step a few uh, paces away from the table and kind of whisper, record the same type of thing in my phone. But yeah, those are the different methods I use. I wouldn't want anyone to think that I just have this, photographic memory and i remember the exact <laughs> suit of every card and exact stack of all my opponents and to be really clear sometimes when it doesn't actually make a difference i'll estimate that this person had about thirty-eight thousand in his stack right so we know it wasn't a super short stack he wasn't one of the chip leaders but whether it was 38,000 in real life or it was actually forty-six thousand, it doesn't make that much difference but I like to put numbers on everybody as I'm going through a hand so that we can discuss the hand now in, in a theoretical way, right? It actually doesn't matter whether I'm getting every single fact right because we're talking about the hand as though this is what happened, which 99% of the time it is exactly what happened. But yeah, sometimes I fill in the blanks with a little bit of a poetic license, if you will, just so we can have you know, a complete hand to discuss. Yeah, well, that's a great, it's hard, and it really goes to show whether it's exactly what happened uh, at the table or not, having the details about even the offsuit suits and, you know, the the number of chips in there, it it makes for uh, the integrity of your discussion demands that you have some answer there so that you know what you're working with. And uh, I think the show benefits from that, uh, for sure. Thanks. Yeah, I would never change anything that's super relevant. But I'll, I'll, I'll fill in the blanks if I can't remember the exact details. And I find myself often using words like about, like yeah. he had approximately, or he had about an average stack. So around 60,000, whatever, that kind of thing. Because I don't want to mislead people into thinking that I, I'm you know, some kind of savant and I can remember every single chip that every one of my <laughs> opponents had in front of me for seven weeks. No, sir, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. Well, we're going to let uh, Clayton go shortly, so I'll say if uh, folks in the YouTube chat have any more questions, now's a great time to type them in. Um, we're also going to do a contest uh, a little later on today. We're going to give away a copy of uh, Barry Carter and Dario Carney's Endgame Poker Strategy, the ICM book. 
And uh, we're just going to tweak the contest a bit. Instead of typing the word contest, we're going to use this uh, podcast to do a little good. Type the word food bank. And everyone who types the word food bank or the words food bank into the YouTube chat will be entered into the contest. And we'll get into some more details about that a little later on. Um, But Clayton, uh, I think we'll probably get one more question. But in the meantime, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Obviously, you'd love for them to download and subscribe to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. um, But what's your favorite way for folks to get in touch? Is it uh, Twitter or email or a website or what's your uh, preference there? Yeah, I'm super active on Twitter. I, I was an early adopter of Twitter. I've been on there for many, many years, and I find that it's just a great way to interact with people. Um, so that is my preference. I'm Clayton Comic on Twitter. I'm also Clayton Comic on virtually every other form of social media, but the one that I actually use the most is Twitter. And best of all, my my DMs are open, so anybody can send me a message. I don't always see every message, but you can at least you know contact me that way. And if I follow you back, of course, I see it right away. So nice. Uh, Chris, anything else? Uh, yeah, we got one one last audience question from Paul. Uh, no, no last name, but Paul uh, says, huge fan. I've been listening since your first TPAP pod in 2018 and haven't missed an episode. Uh, TP, in fact, TP is now on pause um, and I'm hearing ads on your pod now. So the question is, uh, what's the future unfolding for the podcast? Yeah, so great question. First of all, Paul, thanks for listening for all these years. I appreciate you so much. Um, Yeah, so TPE itself, the website, the training site is on pause. They're not like going under or, you know, dissolving or something, but they're not going to be actively creating new content for a while. They're taking uh, a necessary break because all of the content creators that they have are too busy with life and other you know, other inconveniences. So <laughs> in order to keep the podcast going, we've started having ads. And we're also um, in the process right now of looking for sponsorship opportunities. So yeah, if anyone's listening to this, wants to sponsor a podcast with thousands of poker players as listeners, um, you know, certainly get in touch with me via Twitter at Clayton Comic. Um, but there are no plans to end the podcast at this time, it looks like we're going to be able to keep it going. We've already gotten, as you hear, uh, you know, our whatever the platform is that hosts the podcast is now putting out ads as part of the podcast, which never used to be a thing, except when we had direct sponsors and I would have to read, you know, ad copy or whatever. Um, but yeah, that is what's going on now. We're moving away from a this is just something that we do for free and the website. The training site, Tournament Poker Edge, pays me directly to be the podcast host. Instead, we are now looking to eliminate that cost for TPE and replacing it with sponsorships. So that's why you're starting to see ads and everything. I don't think the ads are too obtrusive. Hopefully, they don't come in right in the middle of a, a deep strategy discussion <laughs> where you, you know you're, you're concentrating and then all of a sudden you have to hear about you know some other podcast or, or whatever. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, I think at this point, most podcast listeners would consider uh, targeted advertising a necessary evil. And we are we find ourselves now having to fall in line with that as well. Uh, and so and if folks uh, just to make 
this perfectly clear. The Tournament Poker Edge site has, oh God, hundreds of training videos, specifically laid out curriculum. Uh, there's a million ways to join TPE and get a lot of value out of the material they've already put up there. Some fantastic minds putting great content together. And even if they're not putting new videos up every month like they were before, um, there's a wealth of information there and ways for people to improve. So I'd encourage folks to go check that out. And of course, to keep listening uh, to Clayton on the show. So Clayton, um, we've got some comments. Awesome guest. Uh, Paul says, great to hear. Um, there's a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of people that really appreciate your time. I know I'm one of them. I can't wait to keep listening along. And, uh, what else can I say? Well, thank you again, Clayton. And I hope this isn't our last chance to have another lovely little conversation. Uh, Anytime you guys want me to come back, I appreciate you guys. I love what you're doing and, uh, yeah, pleasure's all mine. So yeah, anytime. And thank you all for listening. Appreciate it. Cheers, man. You'll be hearing from us. No doubt. All right. So, uh, John, why don't you take us through uh, home game results and we can see who's been winning lately and see how many uh, how many uh, new pins we're going to have to shift uh, ship over to a really mad guy. See if he's still on a big roll from last week. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because the very first game I have to talk about is July 25th, where a really mad guy. Oh my Got God. his wow. fifth what? nightly victory do, for the do year. Do we know who this is? We, 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 no name? There's no, or is it a private name? Or... His name is Mad Guy. Oh my According, God. So a really wow. mad guy is his poker name, and Mad Guy is what he has. This is his... an impressive little run, and he's he's a new player, right? He's yes. he's, a, he's a new member. I like He's obviously knows what he's doing. I think he just followed us on Twitter, too. So hopefully he's we can find a little more about this. this nine person. total rec poker wins all of which have been this year. Oh man. That's so he's joined level. this year. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, mad guy, way to go. You're going to be very pleasantly relaxed guy pretty soon. Yeah, I know. This it's exactly. Really it's got to change the name to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then on the 26th, we had the Took Brian Cole got his second nightly victory for the year. Done. Jesse two shoes. He's back. Jesse grand fours. Got his first nightly victory, second victory overall. Um, B-Chip, Charles Allen, yes, got Charles. his fourth nightly victory for the year. Way to go. Quad Quark Paul. got his first nightly victory for the year. He's in the room. And then JT Guns 22, Jay, got his first nightly victory for the year. By the way, uh, I recently just cleared out, just for everyone to know, we had a an old sheet that had people's names that Steve had gone through and figured out and gotten all of those. I've deleted that now. So <laughs> the only way we are going to get your names is if you make your uh, profile public in the website. So uh, if you used to have a name that I would call out and now it's listed as private, that's why. So you'll just have to go to your profile, make sure that your PokerStars username is public and your first and last name are public if you want your name included in the podcast. And if you yeah. don't, that's fine too. And on that note, um, we also, some people have had to make new poker stars accounts uh, for geographic reasons or things like that. So uh, make sure you reach out to John at rec.poker. If you've had to create a duplicate account uh, so that we can put your alias in there so that we know who to send the pins to and that kind of thing. So um, that's the, that will come up a little, but uh, for the most part, just, just keep your username in your uh, rec poker field, your profile field, and you should be all set. Yeah, but we do 
if you tell me your aliases, then that all of your stats will go together. Yes. So uh, that's another good reason to do that. Okay, then for our mixed game event, Isma, who uh, got his second. Well, yeah, now it's private though. So oh, oh because, you know, I doxed him or her. Uh, yeah. So now uh, he got his second daily mixed victory for the year, and Jasper Junior. Uh, who uh, actually complained that his is Pat Berry. Yeah. His uh, he complained that his he was listed as private. So I will out him. <laughs> Got his first international <laughs> victory for the year. Kekik sixty five, who is also now private, got his first second international victory for the year. Yeah, no and idea then, who that is. That's so weird. Yeah, and then Jasper <laughs> Junior oh. came back. And won the LPP event. So wow. he should contact is, Jim at Rec.Poker. Poker. Isn't it a little late for Kick Geek 65 to be private? <laughs> I mean, well, everybody that's ever listened to this podcast last year knows who he is. Probably true. This yep. is true. This is true. I'm just trying to respect people's boundaries. Yeah. I don't want to oh, get into man. any trouble. We're, we're just know? playing by the rules over here. It must be a misclick. It's the only way I can. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I honestly, what I what I think it was is the uh, Steve had gone through a lot of work of getting people's names, and so this sheet had a ton of people's names. And because it was there, they never bothered to update their profiles. Right. And now um, we've had some requests to uh, people want to keep their information private. So rather than having multiple spots. For all of that information, I just got rid of that old sheet. And if you want your name public, you know how to do it. Just go into your rec poker username and profile and make that public there. Right. But as I was about to say, contact Jim at rec.poker for your free month at Learn Pro Poker. That's right. You don't want to miss out on that opportunity. Ryan LaPlante and the gang over there at Learn Pro Poker do excellent work. They've got a ton of great videos, and uh, you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't take me up on that free month at Learn Pro Poker. And again, folks, these home games are free to play in. You can just sign up at Rec.Poker, get yourself hooked up, uh, play in them, and win real prizes. I think uh, a month at LPP goes for about 35 or 40 bucks or something like that. So it's just a nice way to... Uh, Congratulate yourself for playing well and learn how to get to that next level. Um, so, folks, uh, uh, t- type the word food bank into the chat there if you want to learn, if you want to uh, win a shot at uh, Dario Carney and Barry Carter's Endgame Poker Strategy book, which is what we're looking at in the book study right now. And we just, we used to type contest and we're just, we're going to type food bank. Um, and the reason is, what the heck? I post a podcast and, uh, Food insecurity is an epidemic in North America. I think a lot of people that you might know personally, uh, not the people that you necessarily expect, might have a hard time um, putting food on the table or uh, know someone who does. It's an easy way where you can make a real difference in the world. Uh, And if you just Google food bank near me, uh, you'll find at least one food bank in your region. Uh, Donate a little bit of time. Donate some money, uh, take some cans of tuna and a bag of rice out of your uh, pantry and bring it on down there. And maybe you can help feed someone hungry. And again, I don't think people quite understand how many people out there are on the spectrum of food insecurity. It's not just people that are starving. It's not just homeless people. Um, It's people with families, um, people that are going through a hard time. 
uh, a meal in a time of need can make a big difference. So please do go support your local food bank. And we'll just be using food bank as the contest uh, trigger from now on as a way to just mention it on the air every time. So um, Rob, why don't you talk to us about the ICM book that we're enjoying uh, with from Dara and Barry, and then we'll give away a copy. Sounds good. Um, this Wednesday, which is August 3rd, is the first Wednesday of August. We will be continuing our discussion on Zoom at uh, 6.30 Central Time, right? 7.30 Eastern Time. Yes, sir. Um, we will be going over Chapter 7, which is called Deal Making. And hopefully we'll get through that and get into Chapter 8, which is called which is about um, making big mistakes versus small mistakes. Ooh, I like that. And that, that is something that uh, Keith talked about when we had our ICM uh, po- podcast about ICM in the forum podcasts. Mm. He talked about where, where calling is a much bigger mistake than betting or shoving. It's more. It's easier to make a big mistake calling than it is to make a big mistake calling or shoving. So that's uh, chapter eight. So nice. we'll be talking. Hopefully, we'll get through chapter seven and eight, and then we'll be very quickly getting into the hand examples that he has towards the back of the book. That's awesome. Well, it's not too late. Uh, if you win the draw tonight, uh, we record all these sessions. They're open to any premium member here at Rec.Poker. And the whole archive of all our videos, I mean, we make six videos a week and we've been doing it for two and a half years or something now so we've got a pretty rich archive um, of videos if you want to go back and catch up on any of this stuff so let's do the contest so i see uh norm is uh, hello norm thanks for joining the show first time uh, i've seen your name i think here so welcome to the youtube experience Um, so we'll start with norm and work our way down i'm gonna roll a die here norm's got the betting edge because we've rolled a one like a disproportionately large number of times so far. So hoping for a big number. No offense, Norm, but like I just don't want people. I don't want people to get suspicious. Let's Poor Norm, it's just the first time he shows up here, like cheering against. It's, him. A, it's a six, which means it is Benjamin Enslow. Ben Enslow, congratulations! Uh, you can send me an email, Jim at Rec Poker, and I'll make sure you get an e copy of uh, the ICM book from uh, Dara and Barry. We love working with that crew and sharing their amazing poker insight with the rest of the poker world. And then Ben, uh, East Coast bidder in the home game. I know he's uh, uh, looking forward to doing a road trip. I think we saw some tweets about maybe heading out to Montreal. The uh, there is a There's a casino in Halifax. I know it well, but they are still only playing cash games. They're not really doing uh, tournaments as much. So Ben's not sure that's going to make the list. But a few people have talked about going back to playground. I know Chris is interested. They uh, they just put out a tweet saying that they're um, they're going to be they they unleashed a, a weekly tournament schedule that was coming out. Uh, looked like there was a good mix of bounties and uh, freeze outs and rebuys, sort of ranging from I think like three hundred to eleven hundred bucks or something like that. Um, never know. And we did say last week as well, uh, Chris put the call out, if you are living, if you're living somewhere and there's a casino nearby um, and you'd like to have some rec poker folks come down and check it out, why not? Uh, let's do a rec poker road trip to somewhere near you. Um, I got one uh, one member sent me an email this week uh, down from Texas saying he could be our boots on the ground and maybe get get some connections made, which is really exciting. Um 
I've got some family in Texas too. It'd be nice to visit them and come and play some cards. So you never know. So you said, uh, we're looking for emails just in case uh, you're not getting the message. Clayton said it uh, best. You know, we love that feedback um, and we love hearing what's working for you guys and what we can do better. And uh, that, that, you know, let, let us know we're, our, we're all ears. So yeah, Ben says, excellent. He was going to buy it, uh, but now, now we're getting a free copy. So sorry, Dara and Barry, we took that one right out of your pocket, but uh, well worth it, I think. Um, and yeah, Ben, that's it. Playing in a live MTT. It is like a completely different experience. And um, you too can curse the heavens for playing really good poker for like seven hours. And then one flip doesn't go your way. And now all of a sudden, as, I mean, there's lots of nice things about tournament. <laughs> <don't get> <laughs> lots all of right. them do go that way though. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, well, Norm, uh, I hope you come back next week. We do this every Monday night. Uh, we've got at least one copy of Dara's uh, and Barry's book to give away. But even when we're out of those, it's just going to mean we've got more great prizes. So thank you, Norm, for joining us. Uh, is there anything else that we should mention here, gang? Oh, yeah. I just want to hit one more time. Uh, Tuesday, August 9th at 7.30 p.m. It's Kim Petvet Kilroy has engineered this poker empowerment group to mostly focus on women's issues. But it's really about uh, anyone who feels... Uh, that wants to feel more comfortable at the tables about people that are shy or nervous or curious, but don't know what they're getting into and just want to have people to talk to about feeling more comfortable at the tables. Um, this is the group for you. So come check it out. You can go to rec.poker slash pet vet. If you want to find out some more details about that, uh, or like I said, just email me, Jim at rec.poker Tuesday, August 9th at seven thirty Eastern. PM. Uh, that'll be a good chance to get your voice in the room as we make some exciting uh, changes. But to that, for the you know, future. you're you're pushing that hard enough that it really seems that you should have your monster truck rally voice Tuesday, Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Coming down from the community center here in Coburg, Ontario. Be there, be square, folks. You heard that's it. Not bad. Yeah, when John pulls out the trucker voice, you know he's getting serious. Um, <laughs> all right, well then, I just want to thank uh, all our folks in the chat here, Ben and Josh and uh, John and Norm and Paul and Martha. Of course, I really want to thank Clayton Fletcher for coming on and uh, sharing some of his time with us tonight. Um, of course, uh, Chris Jones, Rob Washam, John Somsky, Keith Brandt, uh, Steve Fredland, who's missed even though he's not here right now. And you, the listeners, thank you all so much. And support your local food bank.